I went to a yoga class with a wonderful woman and after about four weeks said to me, do you mind if I suggest that the notion of a home birth, you know, it might just be a nice thing for you. And once it was suggested to me, then I just uh, went on a on a track to find out more about it. I was born at home and my brother was born at home. So it was always at the back of my mind that it would be something I'd like to do. I was training to be a yoga teacher. It all made a lot of sense to me. And I believed that uh, it's really, really important for a woman to have freedom of movement and to be able to do what her body is telling her to do when she's giving birth. And I knew that when my second child was on the way, there was no way I would be given that freedom in those days in an Irish hospital, so I chose to give birth at home. It all started with Sheila Kitzinger. I never intended to be a mother, and uh, I had picked up a book in a second-hand bookstore or a car boot sale or something on women's experience of childbirth, and it just floored me. You know, it was in the early 80s before I had intended <laughs> to have babies of my own, but I knew that when and if I ever did, that that's the way I wanted to go. When I discovered I was pregnant on Alana, memories came back and I thought to myself, do I really want to be part of someone's day or is this my day? I remember I had brought a bag of sweets for Paul um, to eat if it was a long labour so he wouldn't get hungry and he wouldn't leave me. And there was I sitting, rooting in the bag at three in the morning for the sweets because I was so hungry. And the staff were busy and I was so cold. And I just thought, no, this isn't right. This isn't how it should be. We are at a turning point in the history of childbirth. We just need to recall that until recently, in order to have a baby, a woman was obliged to release a complex cocktail of hormones, a flow of hormones. In fact, this was a complex cocktail of love hormones. It's a flow of love hormones. So until recently, a woman could not have a baby without releasing these hormones. But today, for the first time in the history of mankind, most men have babies without relying on the release of this flow of love hormones. There are all those who have a cesarean section and among those who give birth by the natural route, by the vaginal route, uh, most of them use drugs, drugs which block the release of the natural hormones, but they are not love hormones. They have no behavioral effect. This turning point in the history of childbirth is associated with the development of what I call the industrialization of childbirth. It's crucially important that a woman isn't fearful in childbirth. Like, when you're in a fearful situation or you're, you're anxious, we produce adrenaline, which counteracts the hormone that controls labour and childbirth. That hormone is called oxytocin. And um, so if you're fearful or anxious, you pour adrenaline and the production of oxytocin goes right down. We need oxytocin in order to contract you need oxytocin in order to proceed and progress through labour. And so for the woman giving birth in hospital where she is fearful, that woman, of course, will not labour to her full potential. Compare that to the woman who's at home in her own familiar environment. When she comes into labour, the midwife comes in. There's no fear, therefore there's no adrenaline. So therefore she's producing as much oxytocin as she needs to progress through her labour, at the pace that's right for her and right for her baby. I mean, years ago when I started teaching all of this stuff to women to help them to learn how to 
to use their body, to stay upright, to listen to what their body was telling them to do, to breathe, to relax, all of these things. It was very much a gut feeling on my part. I just felt that this was the right way to do it. And what's exciting for me is that as time goes on, there's more and more research that vindicates my gut feelings. And, um, I mean, just one little piece of information comes from about two or three years ago. A study was done in Japan which showed that when a woman is leaning forwards, the baby receives the maximum amount of oxygen. So isn't it perfect that the baby receives the most oxygen when the mother is in the least painful position? And I do strongly believe, from what I've learned about all of the ways in which the hormones work during the labour, that relaxation is not just about making it a nice experience for the mother. It is a safety issue. I became involved in maternity care uh, and childbirth about 20 years ago. My background is in sociology. Uh, I was commissioned by the Department of Health in the late 80s to do a study on women who'd had a baby at home by choice. And I discovered that there were all sorts of women out there who wanted to do this. They were very regular women who saw themselves, for the most part, as ordinary wives and mothers and partners. And they did, many of them, have to overcome huge obstacles to actually have that baby at home. And I found that for many, home birth was an exit strategy. Uh, It was an attempt to regain some kind of control over their treatment in birth. A control that women, as women saw it, was not available to them in hospital. And these women had not read the theory of active management, but they were very familiar with it. The delivery wasn't really what I wanted. It was very intrusive, very managed and very impersonal. It seemed as if I as a woman didn't really matter. I was a number, I was part of their working schedule. It was coming up to shift end and things just seemed to be expected to hurry on and it it really didn't leave me with a a feeling that, yeah, I want to come here again and I want to do this again. It it was a bit of a non-experience. It was a bit like taking your car in for a service and you come back a few hours later and there it is all fixed. It was just mechanical in hospital. I think more than anything else, what distressed me most about the hospital was their lack of care of me and my baby as people, as real living people. The primary concern in a hospital is is purely a medical one and almost this feeling that, that the technological way is better. I think perhaps the problem is that high-profile cases of problems in childbirth have large settlements when it's shown that the doctor didn't intervene enough and this is pushing them to intervene. But the millions of parents out there who had not a huge high-profile problem but a small problem, an emotional problem, because the baby didn't bond with the mother because of the intervention, those millions of small cases are never presented to counterbalance the few times where there wasn't enough intervention, perhaps. I actually wrote a few words. I was thinking about it. um, To compare, for the hospital, I had medical cold, routines, time, strange place, soulless, sterile, passive, a new element to fit into system. For home birth, I had nurturing, centre, warmth, familiarity, nest, smells, community, active. And there's no system. It's individual, I suppose. In the home birth setting, there were women who were really ecstatic about their birth experiences, who felt that it had been the most empowering thing they had ever done in their entire lives. Uh, There were women who felt 
It had been an intensely spiritual experience for them, an out-of-body experience, liberating and emotionally fulfilling. I have six children. I gave birth to my first child in hospital and I chose to have all the other children at home and um, I was very lucky to have a very skilled, experienced midwife who gave me all the freedom I needed and all the confidence and support. It was just wonderful to be able to do what my body was telling me to do. And um, I just felt so undamaged and untraumatised by it. When people ask me what I do and I tell them that I'm, uh, you know, a self-employed midwife, the first thing, invariably, that's always said to me is that, oh, my goodness, you know, that's a bit dangerous, or what about the risks involved in that? And um, that's nothing other than misinformation. For those women and us midwives that are working in this field, and also for the women who are choosing to have a home birth, the reason we're all doing what we're doing is actually because of safety. I mean, there is no woman that carries a baby uh, who isn't concerned, first and foremost, with the safety of her child. It wasn't about having this amazing out-of-body experience or empowering yourself for the rest of your life. For many of them, I would indeed say for uh, 98% of them, safety was the key issue. What it was about was choosing the best option for your baby, choosing the best environment for your baby to be born in and avoiding what they saw as the dangers of a hospital birth, the dangers of intervention. Many of these women were convinced that the management of labour in hospital was risky for mother and for baby. I qualified as a midwife in uh, the early 80s in London and I worked in hospitals throughout the 80s, both in England and the Middle East and Australia. Uh, Then I came back to Ireland and uh, for a while uh, I worked in uh, uh, three maternity hospitals in Dublin. I spent time and um, I, I was actually horrified to see what, to, to witness what I witnessed going on in the hospitals. I couldn't believe that, you know, when I was training in the early 80s in England, we had been talking about issues like getting women off beds, getting women off monitors, getting them walking and looking and r- recognising uh, the adverse effect that, you know, medicalisation had had on uh, woman and childbirth and all of that was changing in England. And so I came back here in 1996 97. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know, a woman on their backs, still in bed, strapped to monitors, with drips, pushing on their backs. All of this that was well recognised already internationally was just not on any longer and not acceptable. The, the women were expressing their dissatisfaction to midwives. Midwives were in and, and still are in Ireland in a very, what I would see is a very, very difficult situation where, like, now at this stage, Irish midwives have only known active management and medicalised approach to birth for the last 40 years. Active management is a system which was introduced at the National Maternity Hospital in 1963. Active management is what it says. It's a management system for accelerating mothers who are having their first child. And this is done using drips and hooks. Uh, The drip contains 
oxytocin, syntocin, uh, which is a synthetic form of a naturally occurring hormone, oxytocin. And uh, the uh, hook is an amnio hook, which is used to break the waters surrounding the baby in the womb. Active management is a highly controlling system and under it, it's actually possible to predict the time of birth to within half an hour. A system was introduced at Hollow Street at a time when uh, the hospital was anticipating a big increase in demand and resources, just as they are today, were overstretched. And the value of the system to the institution is immense. Uh, it enables the institution to rationalise uh, accommodation, to rationalise staff time, so that uh, it's possible to predict exactly in advance uh, how many midwifery hours will be needed uh, for X number of births. So it has been a singularly successful system from the point of view of obstetrics and from the point of view of maternity hospitals generally. But from the point of view of women, I would argue that it's been a disaster. The vast majority of women in Ireland have only one option, and that is uh, to give birth in a maternity hospital under medical uh, supervision and medical uh, protocol and procedures and uh, we only have, in terms of self-employed midwives, we only have a handful. There's only 14, I think, practising at the moment. Um, and so, like, w w we can't meet the demand that's there from women for home births. There's then, of course, is the uh, the domino schemes, which are to be uh, hugely welcomed. And we want to um, see those schemes develop, and we want to see uh, women all over the country having the option of going uh, to a midwife and getting to know her midwife. I'm team leader for the Integrated Hospital and Community Midwifery Services based at Waterford Regional Hospital. It consists of two options. One is the domino service, which is women who want to go home early after their delivery can go home after 6 to 24 hours, provided everything is OK. And the other option then is the home birth option for a selected group of women who, if they fit certain criteria, they can avail of that service. It has taken off extremely well and I'm, I'm very happy that the women do have this option. Um, and I think it has, it has given um, the midwives that perhaps have worked in the hospital uh, a chance to really utilise their skills to the full potential. And that's very important you know, we want to be real midwives offering the care to the women. One of the things that's really important to women is their relationship with their midwife. And it's increasingly recognised that the gold standard in maternity care is one-to-one -one from a midwife that you know. And that relationship between the mother and the midwife turned out to be key key to the outcome of the birth. First baby, everyone is a little bit, oh, what the heck is going to happen? And you're, I mean, you're terrified. I'm not going to say I wasn't, I was terrified. And I had the delight of meeting a, a midwife that is uh, second only to a mother. Um, in fact, I 
I get hairs in the back of my neck when I when I speak about her. Um, she's she's just a truly special uh, woman. She entered our lives at week, I suppose, thirty two or as such, um, and she sort of came in our door and then was just part of our lives for the eight weeks um, before Oshin was born. And uh, I mean the the days afterwards where she took me into bed, and I tell you all about that. Where she took me into bed and brushed the knots, the ratty tangles out of my hair, and uh, fed me soup, and just looked after me as good as my own. Um, mother. I've come across a midwife who reckons that her most useful tool as a midwife is her knitting needles. And she sits in a corner and knits. And the woman knows that she's there because she can hear the clicking of the needles. And she reckons that if the midwife is sitting down knitting, then everything's going as it should go without any words needing to be spoken. And the midwife goes home and unravels her knitting every evening and then knits it up again the next day. (laughs) This is what just bowls all my family over I think is the is the care and, and and the love that midwife brings brings to your home birth is just something that it's just indescribable. It's something money can't buy. If you charge us ten thousand pounds for it <laughs> it would it wouldn't have been enough. I just I just remember her just being with me and that's what I really felt. I felt she was really with me every single contraction of the way. She wasn't watching a monitor or or watching the time or seeing was she with her shift nearly finished, you know. She was just there every contraction, breathing with me and helping me. I had a very close relationship with the midwife and I knew her well and she knew me well, but I knew she believed in me and I think that is a major thing in childbirth. If you believe in yourself that you can do it, you can do it. Home births or the independent midwives here will say, well, what do you want? Which I think is a very central thing. What do you want? How do you want it to be? We are here to assist you in this process, but you are in the driving seat, which gives a great feeling of your own power in this. Because I can remember when Iona was born and the midwife arrived and I was about five centimetres dilated and she said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be on my own. And I said, I've made up a bed for you. And if you go up to this bed, and I said to Paul, and I'd like you to go into this bed. And when I want you, I will call you. Because I suppose I fundamentally feel that, like any other mammal, you go away into a corner in the dark to prepare yourself for this. And I felt that, you know, maybe (laughs) reverting to my animal state was perfect for me. I went away into a little corner and I was there with myself. And it was just absolutely perfect. The midwives, they, they kind of took a back seat and they just chatted among themselves quite low. Um, it was great. I felt like it was a trance actually throughout a lot of it. I swayed a lot. I stood and I swayed like almost as if I was holding a tree and, you know, moving in that way, um, like the wind and um, a much freer thing perhaps. It was almost like a dance and my head just wasn't in that room anymore. It, was, it felt actually like going into a different place like a, and connecting with, with um, the past in ways. Um, I wasn't conscious of them talking after a while. It's, it's a relationship of equality. You know, being with the woman is like supporting her. That is the emphasis of midwifery, is supporting women through their jo- the journey of childbirth. But you're actually promoting safety also by providing women 
with the support that you can give them when you have the opportunity to see them visit after visit after visit and you get to know them. The support that midwives are able to give to women in childbirth uh, has been proven statistically to greatly improve the health and well-being of mothers and babies. What's really interesting about the birth scene and about maternity care generally is that everywhere what we see being played out is a very fundamental struggle and it's a struggle between women and doctors for the control of birth. And by women, I mean women as mothers, but I also mean uh, women as midwives, uh, as providers of services. As I see it in Ireland now, we have come to a point of no return. And from my vantage point, things are now worse in maternity care and in birth for women than they have ever been for the last 30 years. Women are having more and more difficulty accessing uh, services, for example, for home birth. Uh, Their legal entitlement to a service from the state is increasingly being frustrated by health boards. So increasingly, uh, what's been happening is that women uh, are having to uh, have recourse to legal action in an attempt to get the state to fulfil their obligations. At present, there are nine cases on appeal to the Supreme Court from home birth mothers uh, who have been refused uh, a service by the state. My independent midwife in Cork would come down, I knew that. But I just thought to myself, well, I will uh, tap into the resources available locally and um, we are educated people and I have a maternity background so I thought we were in a, a pretty strong position. And I felt quite confident about that. I never thought for a minute that they'd say no. It never even struck me. So I applied in writing and uh, I didn't hear for ages. And then when I pursued it, um, they hadn't made up their mind. And then I pursued it and then I had an official letter saying they couldn't deliver the baby. Um, it was considered a high-risk delivery, and um, but they could, I think, contribute 100 quid to the delivery or 60 quid I can't remember and I just had a bit of a laugh out of that really 60 quid what would you do with that um, so anyway uh, I wrote back saying thank you very much for your letter and um, I don't think I'm a high risk delivery and I've decided to have this baby at home and I am putting you under notice and I require the services available and that was all I ever heard from them and uh, then we proceeded to court Um, And I think our first appearance in court was I was 36 weeks pregnant, which was a very difficult situation when really you should be sitting back and putting your feet up and taking it easy. I think from my perspective, the fundamental problem here is that there is a law that it is illegal to have a baby without the presence of adequate medical attention. If we, the health board, don't give you a midwife, you're breaking the law. It's a crazy situation. And I think in England this was recognised and there was a law that midwives had to be present And the hospital said, "Okay, that means if we have to deliver a woman in a tent on the Greenham Peace Camp, then that is what we will do. And they did. They delivered babies in tents in the middle of winter on Greenham Common. We got what we wanted at the end of the day, but there was a lot of hassle and there was a lot of heartache and there was... um, It wasn't a nice place to be. And had we been half-hearted in this, we would have given it up. 
But at the end of the day, we knew what was right for us and was right for our child. There was a phase in my life when uh, I had the experience of a home birth. Uh, I must say that originally I'm a surgeon, but uh, via the caesarean section, I became interested in childbirth. I became an obstetrician. But after my hospital career, I had also the experience of home birth. I must say that when you are interested in the effect of the environment on how women give birth, you need the experience of home birth. It's really at home that you can really clarify many important points. And I learned particularly how easy a birth can be when a woman is in the best possible environment. I found doing my survey quite extraordinary, really. Uh, doing those interviews was, was amazing. Uh, they were... They were from everywhere, these women. But perhaps the most extraordinary thing about it was the extent to which their stories actually dovetailed so seamlessly with each other and how all of them, despite superficial differences in lifestyle uh, or less than superficial differences in wealth, uh, all of them actually had the same things to say very often. It was wonderful. <laughs> I had then my next two babies at home and it was just the most fantastic experiences I could ever have. Nothing in life since or before have come close. And um, it was just so wonderful just to have those experiences. Had I started younger, I think I would have had ten babies at home. <laughs> I often used to watch um, horses in the field um, and having a, a mare having given birth to a foal. And, you know, those long legs and how gangly they are. And, and just looking at them and saying, you know, how can they walk around the field afterwards? How are they up and about? And But I was up and about. Um, I mean, I was so excited the first day. I remember I looked at the toffee's head and I did, nobody cleaned him off. They just gave him to me as he was and he's raw. And it was like, I remember thinking he looked like a little calf. And I know, you know... Just I'd seen calves like that and I'd seen them with the afterbirth and the mother used to lick their heads and I didn't lick his head. <laughs> but I was tempted. <laughs> and he had so much hair and he's, you know, his hair was all curly because of the the memories, I suppose. But, um, you know, we just, uh, everybody just sat there and we talked after he was born and we just stayed in situ for, must have been two hours. It really was um, very intimate. All births are emotional, you know. Um, but this one was particularly emotional, I think, because um, at that stage, the five-year-old had actually gone to sleep. But our eight-year-old daughter was there, and um, we photographed us, and we're all just crying, you know. We're laughing and crying. It was amazing, you know. She was, she couldn't believe she had a sister, you know, and I couldn't believe I had a baby, you know. And it, was, it was just amazing. And, uh, and then we woke up the five-year-old, and he was totally dazed. I was in the water at this stage holding the baby. And they were all just around the, the tub. And we, the midwife took a photograph of it. And uh, it's just one of those scenes that just stay in your memory. And you just never want to forget it. And then afterwards, of course, you know, our bed at that stage was actually a very, very large family bed. <laughs> in fact, it took up the whole room. So um, all five of us just slept in the basically the one bed for the night, just a baby curled up between us. It was just fantastic. I think for a baby, that must be extraordinary to be just welcomed by people who love you so much, you know, and 
that love they must be, feel surrounded by. Um, it's just incredible, and it must be. It must be long lasting. It has to be. I just at all times I knew I was okay, and I suppose that is very much. Um, it was. It was very much thank you to the midwife. It was due to the huge support I had from Tony. I just felt confident. I, I did read. I just, I felt like a little mammal. I know it sounds real earth muffin but I really felt like a mammal and I felt if it stuck me into the woods, it would happen. You're more involved in the process and you're not saying, oh, it's five past five, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be here for another 20 minutes, I'll have to be here for six. You, you actually need to be completely immersed in, the, in your body and go wherever your head takes you. And you have to make the journey with the baby, I suppose. You know, it, it's it's... I always think the baby is making the journey too and if I thought about it objectively I would say oh yeah you know I had an awful time and you know I could talk about me 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 but I think there is a connection with the baby that you are going you know you can feel that they're moving and you have to be with them you know and, and carry them out safely I suppose or help them out I suppose it's the closest you'll ever be to a baby I knew that women had to be capable of birthing naturally it wasn't an illness. It wasn't something you needed to be in hospital for unless you had medical complications. That it was something that you would just do naturally, like you would make love or eat or breathe, you know. It it was nothing that was outside of yourself that you couldn't handle. My first child, Dina, was born in in sixty nine. We had no phone, nobody in the in the on the street had a phone. So Vic went down to the phone box and the phone was broke. <laughs> and um, he had to go to where the midwife lived on the Cork Road. He had to drive down and leave me in the bed. like. But I can remember well then, she, uh, he came back up and he said, oh, she won't be long now, she has to go. I don't know where she had to go, but she had to go somewhere for a message. She'd be up soon. Presumably she just thought I'd just start. And I can remember well, she walked into the room and she looked at her watch, she's five to twelve. She said, I have to collect my husband from the foundry at half twelve. She's kind of looking at me, I'll just examine you now. That was five to twelve. And the Angelus was gone and Dina was born. She she pulled back the bed because she said, oh my God, she said, the child is here. <laughs> that was it. So that was brilliant. I mean, I, then I thought, oh, this is it. You can just do this. <laughs> so natural. And she had her hat and coat on her coming in. She still had it on her going out to clean. And I needed two stitches. So she actually went to the foundry, collected her husband and came back and gave me two stitches. It was one, one nice thing, um, and it's, it's always stuck with me. Um, it happened on Oshin and, and, and on Paddy. Um, and it was just uh, being so aware of the cord and being attached to the baby. And um, we watched the cord just uh, pulsate and, and go and go until it, until it went no more. And Tony caught it, aided by Kate. She just said, you're on your own now, little boy. And then I just felt his first breath then. Their first breaths were just so precious. They were their own first uh, chance of just doing it for themselves. They were born and you just put them and they fed straight away. There was no intervention. There was no... Uh, it's unfair to say cold hands. I don't, mean, I don't mean cold hands. I just mean there was no stranger's hands on them. Um, just from the moment they were, they were born, they were just held by people who really, really wanted and, and loved them. And um, it just it really means a lot to me, you know. Um, if I found myself pregnant again in the morning, there's no question of me going any other way. I think it sets you up for the rest of your life. I mean, 
you know, before, you know, you go to college, you, you get a job and it sort of seems to be, this is my reason, my reason for being. But I know now that having had the babies, that was my reason. That was your reason to, uh, your reason to be, I suppose, to do that, to be able to do that, to be well enough and healthy enough to do it as well as it should be said. I know lots of arguments against term birth. I know many people feel it's irresponsible, selfish, dangerous. But in fact, when you meet people who've had home births, it's very easy to find out very quickly that they're very, very well informed, that they've done far more research than the vast majority of people who choose to have an epidural. And um, they've looked at all the research, they've looked at the statistics, they have talked at great length with their midwife about potential risks and hazards, and they have decided that for them, this is the safest option. And I believe that it is. I believe that many of the interventions that are commonplace in hospital can cause problems of their own. They can deeply disturb the physiology of the labour, and then that has to be corrected further down the line in some other way by some other intervention, which can then disturb the next phase of the labour. Women tend to need an awful lot more pain relief in a hospital environment, and there are many reasons for this, but that in itself has risks attached to it, and um, it is definitely safer if the woman can manage without pain relief, and she's more able to do so when she's in a situation where she feels more relaxed and where she receives a lot of emotional support. And um, I'm convinced from all the research that I've read, the evidence is there. I desperately just wanted a real experience. Many women, I suppose, it, it has been taken away from them. Just that feeling of, you know, I, I can do it. And I suppose in your life there's, there's lots of things that are managed for you or controlled by somebody else. And I just felt, well, you know, this is one thing. It's in my body. It's going to get out and I'm going to get it out. The pain was uh, very tough at times and certainly on the first baby. And I remember just a few perhaps stiff words at the end. Now, come on, you can do it, you know, push her. And and then suddenly the baby happens and then, you know, it's wonderful. But then when you've done it, I think, the once, you're just, you're just better armed for thereafter and thereafter. So certainly with Stella, the third baby, I was expecting the pain and um, you kind of get on top of it. You kind of, um, I say the word welcome, and I guess everyone kind of going for the sick bags, you know, but you welcome it. You kind of go, OK, with this pain... I know there's great work happening in there and with the pain, I know I'm getting closer. I think if, you're, if you don't have drugs and you, you get to the invisible wall and then you, you manage to go beyond that without it, you come around the other side of it and, I mean, you talk to anyone who's done a marathon, how great they feel, you know, they complete it. I think that's how I felt, um, having got the other side of it. And, and it's really, I suppose, it's a pushing of your own self, your own stamina and... Um, also, I had a bond, a, a huge, the, the third time I felt great bonding with the baby immediately. Like, I actually held the baby. I was the first person to hold the baby and I held her up and I looked, you know, I kind of grabbed her between my legs, lifted her up and looked at her and just thought, I recognise you. The physical outcomes in my own study were extremely good. Something like 4% of babies had to go to hospital uh, after the birth for things like jaundice. Uh, and... Uh, a similar number of mothers had third-stage complications. But apart from that, uh, everything went extremely well. And we should remember that there is a significant, very significant body of research worldwide showing that home birth is safe. Safety 
is really no longer an issue. There are studies uh, from the United States. Uh, w- there is uh, work done in Canada, in New Zealand, uh, work done in Europe, studies in Britain, in Switzerland, uh, in Germany, uh, all over the world. There is evidence. Because I do believe this debate is not about the place of birth. It's actually a debate about who's in charge. It's a turf war, in other words, between obstetricians and midwives. Uh, I I think one other significant consideration in favour of home birth is the way in which the other children in the family can be involved. And particularly in the last home birth we had at Iona, when we had five other children, it was a great experience for them because they were all involved and they could see Mari having contractions and, and, and then when the baby was born they were all there looking at the baby and it was very, very relaxed and a very calm environment with the lights down low and then the midwife said who would like to cut the umbilicus and I think Maeve came forward who was about eight at that time. Dara at the time was, she must have been 13 and, of course, she's getting to that age now when, um, oh, this is all a bit, and your mother's lying there on the floor and all this kind of thing, and I can see all her bits and all the rest of it. But I feel that, you know, that's very good. That's good for her. That is life. This is, you know, this is what she is facing. And I just think it takes the whole fear out of childbirth. She's seen five of her siblings being born. And I just think it's fantastic for them all, and even for the boys, to st- sit there and to look at their mother delivering. It's it's certainly helped with the bonding in the family. I remember that um, when my brother was born, I was two, and my dad came in to the bedroom and he woke me up and he said, come in to the room, you have a new brother. And I went in, I was just gone too. And I remember it was clear as day, like, and the nurse then was there and giving him a little wash and she was asking me to want to help with the, the bath and all this, yeah. It was great. Alan was sitting on the sofa and Amy was sitting next to him. She wasn't, you know, just sitting down. She was kind of going between myself and Alan, kind of, you know, anxious to see what was happening. She was there when the head crowned. And I, at the time, I didn't really, it didn't really register. I suppose, like, when you're delivering it, you miss a lot of what else is going on around you. But I do... I do remember how excited she was. And and I remember how excited she was when she... I remember how excited she was when she realised that it was a little girl. But um, it was afterwards when I was... You know when you'd be talking about the delivery and, you know... It was a big eye-opener for me and it was then I realised from Amy's point of view it it really was the only decision, a home birth. 
I have the greatest of regard for uh, uh, medical science and uh, technology. I, I, I have a master. Uh, I have a, ma a master of science myself. I have a great regard for it. And uh, when there's something wrong and a woman is in difficulty in childbirth, I think there is nothing like uh, the skills and expertise of the obstetrician and the technology that we have that support them in their role. I think that is absolutely fantastic. But the problem is that uh, we must realise that the medical skills and expertise is needed for a very small percentage of women. Here in Ireland, we're looking at about 10% of women giving birth. So the future depends now which direction. It's a question of, we have to look at that in terms of awareness. Perhaps for childbirth, we can rely on scientific data and uh, create a sort of reconditioning at the level of a whole society. I sometimes think, like, if I was to, if, if God forbid, I was to be run over by a bus in the morning, I would just say, yeah, I've lived, you know. I really have lived. Um, giving birth can be so wonderful, so violent even, so uh, so so full of passion. Um, it's, it's, it's just raw, naked kind of... Um, you're exposed, your feelings are very much to the surface and... Uh, it's a huge life experience. I I just feel enriched. I just feel I just it's a it's a hugely positive thing for anything else that may come my way. I feel I'll I'll always be able to draw on such a really really positive experience. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other documentary on one productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.